What's up, y'all? We are back with another edition of the DNVR Rams podcast. As always, I'm your host, Justin Michael. We're going to talk about recruiting on today's podcast, give a little update for CSU football. We're also going to continue with the fall camp preview. I'm going to give some questions I have about the defense. If you missed part one of our fall camp preview, go back and check that out. We explored some of the questions that I have about the offense here at the start of the 2023 campaign. The biggest, of course, is the offensive line. If this group of transfers is able to take a massive step forward, there's hope that this offense can be pretty good. And I got into a lot of the factors, you know, how quickly some of these skill guys are able to make an impact, especially the transfers, Dallin Holker, Dylan Goffney, running back Kobe Johnson out of North Dakota State. All these guys are going to play really important roles for the Rams this season. Again, if you missed that one, go back and check it out at some point. We're going to continue the preview, though, with the defensive side. We don't have quite as many questions about the defense, but there are a lot of guys that I think could be you know, subtly pretty important pieces for that D under Freddie Banks. Looking forward to getting into it. There's just a lot better depth on both sides of the ball this year, which I guess makes sense when you're playing with scholarship totals, you know, in the low 60s or whatever it was last season, high 50s, I think at one point, it's going to be tough. Anyways, before we talk about the latest on the recruiting trail, did want to give a brief update on the latest news when it comes to realignment. According to Brett McMurphy, The Arizona Board of Regents called a meeting for Thursday night. These, of course, oversee Arizona and Arizona State. One of the topics that will come up is possible legal advice and discussion regarding university athletics. There's been a lot of attention with the University of Arizona, whether they are going to follow CU to the Big 12. The other four corner schools as well, Arizona State and Utah. Oregon and Washington are obviously schools that we'll have to keep an eye on as well. And there are reports that the Big Ten is now doing their due diligence on possibly expanding further west, excuse me. But at least publicly, the perception is that there's more momentum right now with the Wildcats joining the Big 12. It makes a lot of sense if you're especially trying to invest in basketball. I have made the argument that Arizona could be making it more challenging on themselves when it comes to hoops and, and going to the Big 12. Like, do you really want to have to survive that gauntlet? Kansas, Texas, Texas Tech. I mean, it's just stacked program after stacked program, Baylor. But like anything, it all comes down to the money. And if the Pac-12 really only has a $20 million deal on the table, it's mostly streaming. You can see why some of these schools would be much more open to the idea of moving. Personally, and I tweeted this, I do think that streaming, it could be an intriguing option for the fans if done right. You know, I think it's probably more visibility than the Pac-12 network, which a lot of people couldn't get with their cable packages. But the main thing is just that you would be leaning into what the future of sports consumption is trending towards, and that's streaming. And I do think that maybe, you know, you could benefit by getting in bed with like Apple and Amazon now, and then it ends up being an advantage for you in the 2030s, because the reality is you're not going to catch these other power five leagues, no matter what you do this decade, it would certainly be more of a long-term play, but I could see schools like Stanford and and some of these, you know, schools that have all the tech influence being more willing to see something through that lens. Now, whether Arizona, Arizona state, Utah, they're willing to be patient like that. I don't know. It might fall apart because of that, but I don't know. All I'm saying is that less and less people are subscribing to cable every year At some point, I don't understand how that TV money is going to be able to keep up, you know, if people are cutting the cord. 
don't get me wrong, I know these transitions take a lot of time and I personally still significantly prefer just taking my remote, putting on ESPN and being able to watch a game. I understand that an older audience is kind of being alienated if you go towards streaming. At the same time, though, the viability of college football long-term that kind of is dependent on being able to connect and engage with a younger audience, I really do think whatever sport or league or whatever is able to figure out how to make streaming work and have it be a way that young people are into, it's going to be huge. And somebody's going to have to be able to have the the foresight you know, to be able to commit to it. But I also just recognize that it's harder to sell a potential and, and what if to the Pac-12 who were sold on that with the idea of the Pac-12 network in the first place. And now, you know, going back to subscriptions, that could be a risk. But I personally am not rooting for the Pac-12 to collapse into the ocean like a lot of people across the country seemingly are because I think losing that presence on the West Coast is just bad for college football. I think it puts you in NASCAR territory where it really matters in certain regions of the country. But a large portion is just checked out. They have no reason to care. And frankly, even if the Big 12 takes these four corner schools, they're not going to be on the same level as the Big 10 or the SEC. It just, I hate seeing this sport torn apart, all of the history, all the rivalries, everything that mattered and what made it special in the first place just being thrown out the window by TV suits. It just sucks. And I mean, at the end of the day, Right now, I'm just hoping that CSU is able to land on its feet, that they're able to come out of this, you know, in some position better than where they're currently standing, whether that's the Mountain West absorbing a couple of Pac-12 schools. I I don't know. We'll see what happens there. I guess the, the best scenario would be if the Pac-9 stayed together. CSU came over to the Pac-12 with San Diego State and SMU likely. But looking at this through a more national lens, I just think that all these moves that have happened these last four or five years have been for the worst. They have made college football worse for way more fans than those that have benefited. Anyways, that's my two cents. I guess I'll get off my soapbox here. Uh, Saturday Neon was a company started by two friends and former college roommates. They make officially licensed collegiate logo LED neon signs. They're Denver-based, and these things are sick. Whether you're a diehard fan or a casual supporter, you're going to love the way these signs light up your space. Saturday neon signs are made with high quality materials and are backed by a two-year warranty. They're shipped with everything you need to mount, power, and dim, so every sign is easy to install and operate. They're officially licensed for 19 select schools, including CSU, CU, Arizona, Alabama, Auburn, Wisconsin, so many others. They're great for offices, man caves, dorm rooms, pretty much anywhere. Go to SaturdayNeon.com, use the code DNVR for 10% off your order today. Free shipping for orders over $200. I also want to talk to you guys about Circa Resort and Casino, the world's largest sports book. It's three-story stadium style, and this thing is epic. It is a sports fan's paradise. I was fortunate to be there for Mountain West Media Days, and I just felt like a king there, guys. The indoors is awesome. It's really clean. They've got great food at Victory Burger uh, and wings they have there as well. And then the stadium swim outside is just everything you would hope and dream It's got 4,000 person capacity, 143 by 40 foot LED screen. They're open 365 days a year, six pools, two spas, everything you need. If you're heading out to Vegas for the UNLV matchup or for a Broncos Raiders game, an Avs Knights game, something like that, book your stay at Circus Resort and Casino. Use the code DNVR20 for 20% off. Also, download the Circus Sports Colorado app. 
Circus sports bets can only be made while physically located in the state of Colorado and must be 21 or older. All rights reserved. Circus Sports Colorado encourages you to gamble responsibly. If you have a gambling problem, call or text 1-800-GAMBLER or visit problemgamblingcolorado.org. Cool, cool, cool. Uh, first things first, let's talk some recruiting. CSU has recently offered Dagan Myers. If that last name sounds familiar, it should. He is the son of CSU legend Greg Myers. Dagan, a three-sport athlete at Chatfield, plays basketball. He's a track star, and he's a rising star on the football field as a DB. Recently participated in a camp up in Fort Collins and was offered by the CSU staff. I love to see it. I love to see the staff continually recruiting CSU legacies. You already have a couple on the roster with Rocco Schramm, Jack Howell. But now at this 2024 class, you've got Jack Moran on board, son of Sean Moran. They have offered uh, Ty Olson. California wide receiver, son of Eric Olson. And now, of course, you know, you're offering Greg Meyer's son, Dagan. I just think that's the way college football should be. You know, the, these guys, these players, it's their program. And if they give their all for this school, if later on they have a kid and he's good enough to play, why would you not offer them? Why would you not do right by that family? First of all, not that I'm an expert or anything like that, but bloodlines and and genetics are a major thing when it comes to producing successful athletes. But also, these guys are just inherently going to have more of a passion for CSU from day one. You don't think it's not a major advantage that Jack Howell grew up a Ram, that he bleeds green and gold? That dude could hop in the portal at any moment, go start at any school in the Pac-12, go play anywhere in the country if he wanted to. There are Big Ten schools that have tried, but he's a Ram through and through. It's in his DNA. And I'm not saying that every player you recruit is going to end up being like Jack Howell, top 10 safety in the country, one of the best defensive players in the Mountain West. But these are the type of prospects that are especially worth taking a flyer on. You know, most of these guys, they weren't highly touted across the country, have offers all over the place. Even Jack Howell, you know, it wasn't like he, he had all of these D1 offers. He's a little bit undersized coming out. But as we all know, Howell's a dog. He's busted his ass since day one. He takes great pride in representing this school, and it's produced great results. For me, if I'm a coach, if I'm looking at a couple of guys, if they are, you know, maybe fringe, not like a four-star or something like that, if it comes down to, well, should we go with the, the guy who's the son of a CSU legend or just some rando, take the son. I know that's kind of an old-school way to look at it, but that's how you establish tradition and, you know, create the type of epic football culture that some of these bigger schools have. It's by embracing the past, making it a situation where players always feel like they're welcome to come back, like they can bring their family back, like they can be a part of that program. And I promise you, that was a major missing component under the previous staff and really even the previous two. Bobo did a little bit, but I do think he also had a little bit of that. I don't know, cockiness, I guess, just coming from the SEC, the like, you know, yeah, you guys have your little traditions and all, but I know what winning football is all about and we're going to do it my way. And Adazio certainly had that my way or the highway mentality. A football program is supposed to represent something larger than any individual. It's about those colors. It's about that logo. It's about the name on the front, not on the back, if we want to use the, uh, the old cliche. And I just think that when you're trying to establish a winning culture, yeah, getting as much talent in there as you can as possible, but also just understanding what this program is supposed to mean, having players that from day one, it's ingrained in them. I just think that's a benefit, especially when you're trying to come out of a slump. You know, I think part of the problem 
with some of the guys that Bobo brought in, especially wasn't that they weren't talented. It was just that they didn't really have any passion or pride for what they were doing. And we saw it in the results. So yeah, really like what the staff is doing. Uh, also, I, I think <laughs> as far as it, I know, uh, CSU picked up a, a new verbal commitment for the 2024 class. Jaden Landrum, six foot four, 205 pounds, currently plays wide receiver for Etetuanda High School in Rancho Cucamonga. He is being recruited to play linebacker, though, which is obviously a, a common occurrence for this CSU staff. They just try to get the most explosive athletes as possible, and they feel that once they get them on campus, if they have the traits, they can coach them up, they can refine them. And it's an approach that makes a lot of sense. It's how NFL GMs really are building their teams these days. But especially from the college perspective, it makes a lot of sense, right? If you're looking at a high school team who's just trying to win at all costs, they're probably going to put the ball in the hands of their best players. Their best athletes are going to be you know, wide receivers, quarterbacks, running backs. But if you take a guy with a receiver background, six foot four, 205 pound frame, who's got you know, explosive movements, both in terms of just sprint speed and lateral agility and put that guy at linebacker, all of a sudden he's a freight train coming downhill. I mean, that's essentially what happened with Joey Porter. It's a process that takes more time on the coaches, both in terms of the evaluation and once they get them to campus, obviously having to coach them up and all that. A lot of lazy coaches don't want to recruit that hard. Once the the guys get to campus, they want them to be ready-made, already know all the the nuances, the intricacies of the position. But the benefit here, although it takes more work, is that these guys, because of their athletic traits, their ceiling is just higher. Like some of these guys might come in more refined. They might know how to play the position, but they can't move the same way. You can't teach sheer size. You can't teach raw speed. I mean, you can slightly improve on some of those things. But when you're projecting how somebody's going to develop three, four years down the line at linebacker, you know, do you want the guy who maybe comes in with three, four years of positional experience, but he's only, you know, six one, you know, 195 or something like that? Or do you want six four, two hundred five beast of an athlete, a guy who was playing receiver, but once he gets coached up can be a stud at linebacker? I mean, the reality is you're not going to land the guys that are both freak athletes and have the positional experience, especially at, you know, linebacker, defensive tackle offensive tackle even those types of guys are getting scooped up by the alabamas and uscs of the world so you have to get a little bit more creative you have to work a little bit harder at this level it's still possible anyways really intrigued i think landrum is a natural fit at linebacker uh, three-star prospect on 247 sports has offers from csu nevada northern arizona san jose state and unlv had 92 receptions this past fall just under 1200 yards and eight touchdowns I will note that he has since deleted his initial tweet, and I don't know what that's all about. A lot of the time, it's nothing deep. It's just like they want to get a commitment graphic or something like that that pops a little bit more. Um, As far as my sources go, he is committed. But we'll keep our eyes out on that, and I will give more information as it's available. Uh, Let's move on. Let's start previewing the defense for this upcoming season. But when you get hurt, Bax and Shanker is here to help. Bax and Shanker wins for Colorado families. They have been helping those who are seriously injured in Colorado for more than 25 years. They're free until they win money in your case. There's no upfront fee to speak with you about your case. No fee while they work on your case. No fee unless they win your case and win money for you. 
Bax and Shankers won over $1 billion for their clients, now with even more locations serving all of Colorado, including neighborhood offices in Denver, Aurora, Inglewood, and Fort Collins. Bax and Shanker has the strength and power to win your case with more than 30 lawyers and 100 staff. Bax and Shanker helps with all kinds of injury cases when you weren't at fault, car accident, motorcycle, ride chair, pedestrians, trucks. They can even help if you're injured at work. Call Bax and Shanker at 222-2222 to find out if you have a case for free. Bax and Shanker wins. Also, take on the sun with gear that's built to last. Our friends at Shady Rays have you covered for the warm weather ahead with premium polarized shades at an affordable price. Shady Rays is an independent sunglasses company that offers a world-class product that's just as good as any expensive pair we've worn, durable frames, and extremely clear optics for outdoor adventures. And what's really cool is you can wear your Shady Rays with confidence because they offer the most insane protection in all of eyewear. Every pair of sunglasses backed by lost and broken replacements. So if you lose or break your pair, even day one, they're going to send you a brand new pair, no questions asked. Together with their customers, Shady Rays is providing much-needed support to nonprofit partners across the U.S. to Shady Rays Impact. Shady Rays is making an impact in your community and others like it now for years to come. You can shop the entire collection at the brand new location in the Park Meadows Mall, full stop shop for all things Shady Rays. If you don't love your Shady Rays, exchange for a new pair or return them free within 30 days. There's no risk when you shop. Their team always has your back exclusively for our listeners. Shady Rays giving out the best deal of the season. Go to ShadyRays.com. Use the code DNVR for 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. Try for yourself the shades rated five stars by over 250,000 people. All right, all right, all right. Let's talk about this defense because I think especially if they can build off what they did down the stretch in conference play where they're basically allowing 20 points per game. This group can be special this year. You return the majority of your most impactful players. Losing CJ Onyeki, that was definitely a loss. And obviously at linebacker, Daquan Jackson and Cameron Carter, those are two of your three leading tacklers from a year ago. Those two combined for 176 total tackles. That's a lot of production to have to make up but they were able to add an influx of talent via the transfer portal. A couple of guys I think are going to be in line to start. Other guys are going to be firmly in the rotation. Again, going back to the point at the beginning of the pod, the depth of both the offense and defense just significantly better than where they were at by the end of last year. But I would say that my first question about this group, probably the biggest question I have right now is, Chase Wilson able to build off what we saw from him down the stretch. He had 29 total tackles this past season, two and a half for loss, two and a half sacks. But essentially half of that production came over the final three weeks, Wyoming, Air Force, New Mexico. We saw his role significantly elevated as the year went on, capping off with that performance in the win over New Mexico where he had seven total tackles, two and a half sacks. And afterwards, he was getting all kinds of love from Daquan Jackson, from the coaching staff, and... That's what they're going to need. They're going to need more of those type of performances. Drew Kulik no longer on the team, um, unfortunately, just couldn't come back from some of the injuries that he sustained this past season. Obviously, you no longer have a Cameron Carter or Daquan to lean on out of the linebackers that played significant you know, roles this past season. It's only Chase Wilson now. You do feel excited about the addition of Trey Pastor coming over from California, a really athletic player who kind of played like a hybrid defensive back slash a linebacker during his time with the Golden Bears. He'll just be a linebacker at CSU. Really intrigued by what he can bring to this team in terms of pass coverage across the middle of the field. It felt like it was just open all the time, that Washington State game, especially just crossers left and right. But um, got a little sidetracked there. Anyways, you need these linebackers to step up in a major way. You feel good about the defensive line. You feel good about the secondary. You know, can these linebackers 
be playmakers. They added Caden Stewart, a guy who was pretty productive at Colorado Mesa. Maybe he's able to work his way a little bit into the rotation. Freddie Banks certainly has no qualms playing a lot of guys, but I, I really think it comes down to Chase Wilson and, and Trey Pastor. How quickly can those guys find their groove? And you know, how big of an impact can they make in that non-conference portion? Going to be something to keep an eye on. Going to be something to watch throughout camp as well. Another question I have about this defense is who's able to work their way into the rotation at on the defensive line. I mean, you bring back three starters with, you know, Baratow and Kelly and Mo Kamara. I think those three are, are pretty solidly in line to start. It looks like North Dakota State transfer Tony Pierce is a guy who could be a starter for you at defensive end, but there are going to be a lot of red shirt freshmen that are chomping at the bit to get playing time, potentially even true freshmen. Who knows? Um, Mukendi Wakalanji is a guy who came on really strong at the end of last season. Uh, James Mitchell is a guy who could, you know, see significant snaps. Tyler Quinn, Marshawn Oxley. They brought in Matt Thomas from Rhode Island. They have a plethora of guys that could potentially see the field this year. And that's really exciting because I think you're able to create a little bit more consistency that way. I mean, there's been talent on this CSU D line going back five, six, seven years now. It, it really rarely has been in an area where CSU has been lacking, but in the past, you know, when it's McBride and Patchen and Manny Jones trying to play 80 snaps a game, it's hard to be impactful, especially as the season goes on. And I think we saw that, you know, a defense that at times performed well under Chuck Heater as the year went on, they really wore down. They became much more susceptible in the trenches. And I think we're going to see a benefit with some of these high end guys, not having to play quite so many reps. And I also just think it's going to be good for the progression of the group. You know, some of these guys that are going to be able to play a little bit smaller roles this year, but then they go in next year having the experience that wasn't like they rode the pine the entire year. I just really love this defensive line. I just want to see who ends up playing when it's all said and done. Um, another question I'm curious, you know, which of these corners are able to work their way into the rotation? I feel like, you know, Tyrell Grayson's a guy who's made some, some plays in the spring. Uh, Ron Harge, the transfer from Oregon State, really did well. I, if I had to guess, he would be the starting corner opposite of Chigose Anusium. But they also brought over Dominic Morris from Furman, Dom Jones, the safety that came over from North Dakota State. Wouldn't surprise me if he played a little bit in the slot at nickel um, at times, although I, I still think Aiden Hector would be your starter there. Obviously, Howell and, and Blackburn starting at the safety roles. But just much like the defensive line, I think with the addition of some of these FCS transfers, uh, JUCO guys in some instances, you're just going to feel a lot better about the 2-3 deep than you did last year. You know, if any one of those guys went down, it was like, oh man, you're absolutely screwed. You obviously never want any significant injuries to happen. I mean, you don't want any injuries to happen. But if a guy gets dinged up, you know, has to go down for a series or two, you know, being able to put somebody like Dom Jones in is, is huge adding Tony Pierce and Matt Thomas, guys with a ton of experience into the mix. That's huge. The depth at all three levels of the defense just in a significantly better place. I still think they could use another linebacker, honestly. Losing Kulik kind of hurt the depth there. But I'm really intrigued. And I think this group in year two under, under Freddie Banks has the potential to really get after it. I think they're going to be a group that causes some mayhem, you know, gets after the quarterback. But I also think they have a the potential to be a defense that really turns you over. And we saw that in some of the wins last year. Obviously, the Nevada game is the best example with two defensive touchdowns. 
But the overall athleticism of this defensive unit, it feels much more on par with what we've seen from, you know, San Diego State over the years, Boise State, Fresno State, those type of defenses. And it's been at least a decade since I would say that. I think you got to go back to like 2013, 2014. But this is a way better secondary. And that's no offense to any of those guys that played because Bernard Blake, one of the best corners that have ever come through here. But I mean, I would take Howell, Blackburn, and Hector over KPL and Matthews any day of the week. Those dudes were thumpers, but also kind of liabilities and coverage at times. And I just think this is a more well-rounded group. I think top to bottom, it's more athletic. And I think that's really the case at, at every position group, linebacker, defensive line, and DB. And the greatest strength might even not be who's on the field. It might be who's standing off the side coordinating the whole thing. I think Freddie Banks is, you know, light years above any defensive coordinator they've had in the building in at least since I've been around CSU the last decade. So I'm really excited. Um, I'll be there on Friday. I will miss a couple of days next week that we will be sending Ryan Green up at, at one point. So it's not like we'll go completely dark. I have a family vacation. The timing of it certainly did not work out great with fall camp, but I'll be there for the vast majority of it. I still have some content coming out. I have an interview with Brady Hole that'll drop on Monday. Hopefully it's still fairly relevant with conference realignment stuff. You never know. But we mostly talked about CSU anyway. So even if a little bit at the end is uh, out of date, the rest of it will still be very interesting to Ram fans. On a Thursday the 10th, coming up in just about a week, I will have Jay Norvell live in studio, 1045 a.m. DMVR Sports YouTube. I'll post that link. I'll also upload the audio into your feed after. If you can't watch live, that's not a big deal. And then uh, Friday, September 1st, we're going to have a meet and greet event at the DMVR bar. I'll do a show live uh, afterwards. I'd love to talk about the season and everything with you guys. Hope you guys are able to make it out. We'll share a little more details on that when we have them. But uh, the Norvell interview coming up on the 10th, 1045. Don't miss out. That's all I've got for tonight. Much love, y'all. Peace. Scummy like Martin Scarelli, turn jam into jelly, then drink it like juice. But water's the truth, so I sip on that too. Skinny looking kid with no car keys, like the only thing I drive is RCRV. He's got the stash like Steve Harvey. Oh, I'm gnarly like.